hello, hello. Hello, I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reef. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Hey, is this the first time that the word, a word from our title is in the title of the movie? It is, Whoa. I think. I think. Um, so this week we are talking about the Christopher Guest classic, Best in Show, and... Let me tell you that this was a delight. And oh. I think we need to jump right into it. The reason we chose this movie is because of our wonderful guest. Our guest today is Diane Johansson. Diane is an art director and graphic designer based in Los Angeles. And her portfolio includes public design, brand identity, and entertainment marketing. And it all started with a little magazine called Sight and Scent. Um, an entire magazine dedicated to the Hound Group as designated by the American Kennel Club. And her role in, as designer quickly evolved into art director, producing five different bi-monthly magazines for various groups and or breeds, and one gigantic monthly all-breed magazine. It's over 400 pages per issue, people. Um, Diane no longer works in these, but her real-life experiences in the dog industry combined with her true love of improv and like let me tell you Diane is Diane was already coach, like Diane was so already this asking movie us before is, we recorded like if anybody says who is this movie for this movie is for Diane it is for Diane this okay. is Diane was cool. already hopping in with um are we doing some zip zaps out before we get started do we have some pre-show rituals like she came to play so Diane thanks for joining us <laughs> you know happy to be here I got your back the whole show this is gonna be amazing I I know you can't see this but I am holding up a copy of is that a the magazine this is a right. that's correct so well done that's right. And we got a whole like fold out cover for okay, this for thing. Those? So I just wanted to bring it. So you said sight and scent and you said hound dog magazine. And let me tell you in like gigantic capital letters in, in italics, in my notes, I wrote, I have a problem with this movie. Here's my problem with this movie. Yes. It's my main problem with this movie. Every time I watch it, I want a bloodhound. That's correct. Good. And it, yes, it, you should. It, and, I, and I'm like, I can't have one right now. I might never be able to have one. And this movie is telling me I need one. And that's, I was worried that's that you were actually were going to have a big problem with this movie. Oh, Jess, gosh, no. And I'm no. very, I was like, how? <laughs> I was sitting here going, real going like, problem. what is her problem with this movie? I mean, and then, it okay. is a real problem for me, but it's not that's, a problem with the it's movie. Legitimate. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. As yeah. someone who probably can't have dogs at this juncture of life, um, seeing all these little show dogs makes me want to take one See, home I with me. See, I had a hound dog growing up. Um, oh, Melanie yeah. I remember that dog. He was not full. Um, he was not a full hound, but he was yes. he was part coon hound. Uh, co- oh, a yeah. Tick. And so I always, like, when we had him, I was always like, oh, it would be great to have another hound dog. That, I mean, they're a lot. They are. I grew up with, I grew up with golden retrievers. Mm -hmm. So not in the hound group, but that was my only like access point really into dogs. And then Mm -hmm. at this job, they were pretty much like, you are going to design this magazine. And I was like, I do not know shit about (laughs) any of this. (laughs) So 
like from day one, it was just like, like even learning all these breed names, especially in the hound group, I had no clue yeah. what some, yeah. some of these dogs were. I did not realize that hounds, the reason our magazine was called Sight and Scent is because hounds typically are scent trackers. They're like scent yeah. trackers or they have really good eyesight for like hunting purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, had no clue, not a clue. Uh, I think bloodhound, obviously it like, makes sense to be in the hound group because it's part right. of its name but there are many dogs that well isn't like, you just Brittany, don't realize like a britney spaniel i feel like was in the hound group or like any mm. like they had like an english spaniel or something that would be a working dog that was probably with the pointer that was probably in the hunting group because like i grew up with a britney so not a hound i grew up mm. with a britney spaniel sporting. and she was pretty sporting. yeah sporting. Sporting. there it was which is the much more because those are those are we're getting real into the technicals of this but that is that's relevant to this movie because here's the thing that i found out when i was reading about this movie and maybe you came across this as well they had to put on their own dog show they did did. no dog show would let them just drop in for their shots so they put and eugene levy basically was like that was a nightmare that we were completely unprepared for but I think that it lends like a real, like a realism to the movie, which is well, such an interesting contrast because we have just the over the top surrealism of these characters and just the camp that's going on with these characters based in this super legitimate looking dog show. And it <laughs> yeah. is. And for good reason. Because the dogs in the movie are show dogs, yeah. which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they are on the IMDb with their registered names on That's there, incredible. which also cracks me up. But as it should be, like you should know that these right. are either grand champion, champion dogs right. or Canadian champion dogs with their birth name, not just their call name. You know, that's their, mm-hmm. what you would shout at them in the ring. Um, like, like what the was difference that between, Winky. um, Rhapsody, what's her name? Rhapsody, yeah, Rhapsody white and white and, and Bush. Bush. Yeah. That's correct. Like, the fact that good that example. Dog... Okay, so we are jumping way into this. <laughs> I know. Let's I know. let's like give a little back for those yes. who haven't seen the movie. Which like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> You've had what are you doing if you haven't years. Seen... <laughs> exactly. Um, what are you doing? Been so out this for a minute. A <laughs> little bit. Um, so this is a movie, the second in a string of movies um, that Christopher Guest did with this group of actors um the first being waiting for guffman another favorite of mine but his um, first Chris- movie that he did like this goes all the way back yes. to 1988 seven eight four 1984 okay yeah. uh, this is spinal tap and then there is kind of a longer break until he does right. guffman um guffman went totally under the radar but this is spinal tap was a huge um huge, huge. success Remains one of my favorites oh yeah but just totally broke so many barriers this is created. Spinal Tap. Was that improvised? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, I didn't know. And okay. it was, when I first saw that movie, so I was born in 84, so I obviously didn't see it like in theaters right. or anything. Although I would love if my parents were like, actually the first movie we ever took you to was This is Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be incredible. Actually, but what, Diane, that would track. Knowing that, that parents would, knowing would, you, would I would be believe the reason. that. <laughs> And it would explain a lot of like why I am the way I am today. I think <laughs> I would say like age. I would think that would like that could be a good origin story there right you there. You know, you know what? Just let's, just it. It. let's just say it. Just we're just it. gonna let's say it. Say so edit like <laughs> the book of your life. We're gonna edit that right now. We got to plant these seeds. It. 
Mm. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. So the first movie (laughs) I ever saw was This is Spinal Tap. And as a very small child, I was like, (laughs) I did not know you can just like fuck around in movies and not to say that they are because there is like a lot of obviously planning and writing that does go into this. But the improv, like, I think I read that this movie has about 60 60 hours hours of footage. Yeah. Which is and so wild. They, they cut yeah. a ton of it because it was like they shot 60 hours and it's an 89 minute movie. And so what they did was um so it was Christopher Guest and uh, Eugene Levy who wrote, the, wrote the quote unquote script, which is really mm-hmm. just a 16 page outline. And they basically told the actors how to get it from A to B. And it's so like Jess, we've talked about this in some of the other movies that are so carefully created where it seems like there's a lot that goes into the production of the movie. And a lot of these movies that we've done have a lot that go into production. But, like, I'm thinking the Disney animated ones that we talked about, not double teamed, but the other, (laughs) like, the Disney animated ones that take five years to make because of they have to fit the Mm -hmm. animation cells to the script. Chicago, where it's so carefully constructed and there's not a lot of room for extra they had the extra, but then they crafted what it's, they wanted. Yes. And so you're taking, I had a really hard best time best of every single take. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it shows. So a lot, yeah. A lot of these, like I was reading that they were saying a lot of the scenes, I mean, obviously were just like the first scene. And one of the things that I really loved, and I think it was John Michael Higg, or I think, it was, no, it was Michael Hitchcock who said this. It was, you'll come to, you'll see us come to set early and watch the other actors. None of us are in our trailers. We're right there behind the camera watching other people do their scenes. And that's what makes it really fun. Plus, this is shot like a documentary. There are just mm-hmm. hours and hours of footage. So I like to watch the scenes because I know never, many of them will never end up in the actual movie. And I can see them live maybe for the only time in my life. Yeah. And what a blast. Yeah. What a blast to go to work and just be around some of the best and improvisers. Ever. Absolutely. Like that is that is my dream. Like so yeah. Diane knows this, Jessica knows this. I'm doing improv right now. Uh, I've been doing, you know, classes with Upright Citizens Brigade. I've been doing some other classes and just Jealous. going to a lot of improv show. It's it's been a blast and it is just playing. Yeah. Yeah. I will say when you're in a scene with somebody and we're all learning in the classes. And so like improv, like mo- I've been terrible at improv. I'm still terrible at improv. We all have. When you're in classes, sometimes with people who don't get the premise of it, it's like, oh, this is really painful or like just trying to do the weird thing, like trying to be weird, trying to be yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that is so hard to play off of because it's like, don't do that. Like I was in, right. I was in a class the other day where somebody was just like, made a choice and he just like stuck to the choice and the teacher was like Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. because it was so not grounded and what's so like I mean they have so many good improvisers here and what's so interesting is like Jess you talk about the camp and these characters and Diane I have a question actually for you about that is mm-hmm. they're all grounded they're yeah all they totally real. are absolutely like, they're, yep. they are zany they're well but they're all real yep. I mean and I think like one of the nice things about the announcers playing off each other and I'm gonna the guy who plays off um, Fred Willard is on the tip of my tongue. Jim. Jim. But, like, Fred (laughs) Willard is so wild. And, like, you never know what, like, is going to come out of his mouth because he is Intentionally. Right. Did not – he was told, like, do not prepare for this role. Well, and then the other one, super prepared (laughs) to to ground it. But also, Fred Willard, like, it was a believable character. It was, Mm -hmm. like, all of his choices – we're grounded in who that character is and they all make sense. And so that's what's so good about good improv is like everything is justified. Yeah, stick like, to the character, one, not the humor. You have one and you yeah, you have one unusual thing 
and this had ha- like you have one unusual thing about the character or the situation or whatever but then you have then everything else is grounded and so yep. you have these conversations that are wild but it's so real and doesn't feel like i think john michael higgins actually says like sometimes the first thing you give say gives you the most realistic take and that's the one you want they're going yep. for realism and like what's uh-huh. the dialogue mm-hmm. and that just like it would be so fun to do and also you need people who can do it. Yeah. And this cast. Yeah. And these characters are very quirky. Oh, yeah. And like by design. And I don't know if that's like a second city influence compared to some other like schools of improv and that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's more of a character driven than game driven. Yeah. but And you really see people obviously like commit to their bit as these characters. Like they love a bit. And like we're not like laughing at them for being no. quirky in this movie. They are legitimately just making us laugh by being allowed to be who they are mm-hmm. as people, which mm-hmm. I think is, is so great. Like let people be authentic because people are inherently funny yeah. and yes. like, let's yes. just see it. Yes. Why, it's not like, the, like, that's why we all just love people watching. And I think that's why mm-hmm. you see like a lot of the biggest sitcoms of our generation, like take on this exact format where it's like we're just we're just dropping in we're just watching what unfolds and then you Mm -hmm. you, you usually have one character or two that just are over the top but you buy it it's so grounded in these personality traits and these quirks you have like michael scott from the office who is clearly a caricature but not that much not that much Mm-mm. of a caricature so that you buy right. everything that he's doing to these other people in his office. And then, and then all you have to do is like sit back and, and watch and it's funny, but there's nothing right. really like, and there's no, there aren't these like punchline, like set up punchline, set up punchline, no. one liner quips or anything like that. It's all just action reaction. Exactly. Some of the funniest bits in this movie are just the, everyday things that happen you're like oh that Mm -hmm. was like unexpected it's the it's the unexpected it's what's unexpected what you think is going to happen or when something totally expected happens and it's gratifying Mm -hmm. and i think there are like obviously they had bit points that they wanted to hit in the movie they had weird things like that too i mean diving right in the two left feet of you of you totally that's weird yes that and that's like but it's not like oh, that's the weird thing. It is a weird thing about him, but it's not like the only weird thing. And it becomes a plot point later when he right. has to show. Right. But even that's like not, it's like, I saw this movie, I think the first time when I was in um, when high school and like they don't make the fact that when he's showing the dog, they don't like make a big deal of it of his two left feet other than like saying like oh he has two left feet but he's not tripping yeah. over them he's like right. he's like overcoming right. and then he wins which like i knew and i still clapped and got excited like i was nervous and i still clapped and got excited like come on mel when but, i like and ben willard like doesn't make fun of him right. either no, you know as kind no, of this, like, like wow interesting that's weird like, yeah and he's yeah, like yeah go get it <laughs> it's not a punch to somebody's somebody's appearance and that is right good yeah here we're going back to my my hound dog uh complex when I watched this last fall, I had, it had probably been 10 years. Like you guys were saying it had been about 10 years. I forgot 
who won and i thought the hound in my head i was like the bloodhound wins i mean this is a christopher guest movie obviously the bloodhound wins and then like halfway through i was like oh no right it's winky duh but i had myself convinced that the bloodhound won for the longest time because that's how obsessed i am with that bloodhound you guys it's that bloodhound is a beautiful dog So the owner of that dog in the movie, who the the real dog, is owned by. Um, I, when I was watching the credits, I was like, I gotta see all these registered names so I can take a picture of it. Yes, and, and then this I was is what like, I, love about I want that picture. Same. We. I we think I, I. I'll we send it. I'll send it. Oh it's on God. here. Um, okay. But as I saw that Hubert the Bloodhound was played by Champion Quiet Creek, Stand by Me. Quiet Creek is the 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 name of the the breeders okay. like that's yeah. their family name and i was like that is familiar who owns this dog and i went on like a little bit of a deep dive last night and sure enough yeah quiet creek i have worked with that mm-hmm. group of people before and hamel their last name is hamel um i guess she was really involved with with the movie like um advising uh, on the script and I believe on set as well because she was there with her own dog. But these, like, these are people in, in my previous dog world yeah. who advertised their yeah. animals, like, in these magazines all the time. So it felt like, it felt like I knew people in the movie because mainly because that bloodhound. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like truly recognize like the breeder's names, the breeder and the owner. And I think she might be a handler. Diane, here is the question that I was going to ask oh, you earlier yeah. about um, the characters going back to how they created the characters, how they came up because all these characters have backstories. Like they're fully fledged characters and everything. And you know, they are quirky. They are campy. They are zany, but are they what i want to know is are they are there stage types are they like stage moms are these, and dads for dogs are these re, like yeah are these are these like i mean i would assume yeah. that given the research they did and everything like this is like and just knowing how good they are at creating movies like these are grounded in real maybe not real exact people but like in uh amalgamations of people that they observed totally so I mentioned when I started on the Hound magazine, I did not know anything about the dog show world. Slowly learned, and then I feel like they were like, oh, she's learned enough. Now we can give her all the other magazines to produce. And I remember meeting with the editors of the big one that I was showing, the big like 400, 500-page magazine. That's our Mm -hmm. all-breed magazine. So any any of our AKC-registered dogs can be in here. And I was like, "My, my knowledge is limited to sight and scent, and Best in Show. And their response was, Best in Show is actually a really good educational touch point (laughs) because it's so close to what is actually in this industry. A lot of like actual breeder owner handlers do not care for this film because it hits a little too close to home. Mm -hmm. And I I will say like, like, honestly, like some of the, the funniest and the nicest people I've ever worked with. And they are like all in on these dogs. Like these oh, dogs, yeah. probably, they eat better than I will ever eat in my life. <laughs> they have like these, I, Melody's raising an eyebrow, but it's true. Like they are very well cared for animals and the quirks are also very present yeah. with, oh. with these populations. Like, 
there was one day I was on the phone with an advertiser trying to like wrap up the magazine. I'm like, I got to get this guy on the phone. We got to make changes to the ad. We got to go to press. And he's like talking to me on the phone and I can hear dogs barking in the background. And all of a sudden he's like, can you hold on a second? Puts the phone like down, down on his shoulder and I can hear him shouting and he goes, everyone be quiet. Dog damn it. <laughs> and I was like, shouts dog, dog damn it at anybody. <laughs> um, but I think that's like a good example of just like uh, how everyone really is a, a pretty loud character, I would say. Yeah. I've never met anyone working on these magazines or going to a handful of dog shows that have been just like timid people or right. <laughs> would I feel re- like, I feel they like are the- show. They like the show. What I appreciate that they do so well in this movie is finding that one thing to heighten for each character or for each couple. And they just mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. play with that. Like you see that with um, Parker Posey and Mike, Michael Hitchcock with the, I mean, the way they start the movie is just so freaking funny. And the way they frame yeah. it with the, um, they were having sex and Beatrice was judging them. And it's like, Beatrice. you started and, I, <laughs> dog. and like then they end it with like oh the dog was the pro- they're now they were starting in like beige and all in terrible colors and like they clearly are like volatile people and like very, and i was reading that they like went to starbucks's and like just watched just yuppies people or like banana republic <laughs> and just i saw that too people because that's how their characters met and like they you know they are just like volatile very aggressive type a yellers and then they like are in color by the end of the film and they're like oh it was the dog's fault and like <laughs> all of this like stress and everything they like blame the dog for being yeah like, not she was nice. so toxic like, she was so, so toxic. toxic and now they have this like little frenchie or whatever who's like humping the therapist's leg and he's like yeah oh, he's such a good dog he's so much better It's one of the devices that I love about this movie is the heightening though. It's like, it is, it feels a little sneaky. It's not like, it's not in your face. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I love, like the subtle heightening just makes for very funny jokes throughout the whole thing and, and like bumps these characters up higher and higher and higher to at the end. It just, I love when things feel nonsensical, but not completely out of the realm of yes. what we're doing here. So it I, I love that so about grounded. this. I mean, there, there's obviously like, you know, when we meet the, when we follow Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy to her like friend's house that they go out of the way to in Akron and he mm-hmm. is like, oh, they've clearly slept together. He poked and like this, <laughs> I think like the, oh, he poked, it was a while ago that he poked me or whatever. So what she says, yeah. it's like, oh gosh, that's so like, Clear, okay, so that's clearly a thing between them. That's the thing they're going to exploit. Like, everything else is fine. Like, they're not exploiting the feet. They're not exploiting the money. They're not... I mean, they do that a little bit with, like, the... They're in the utility closet, which is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny. <laughs> so funny. Just How do we say, get room service here? <laughs> just utility just... closet? Oh, yeah, I'll just, like, alert the staff that you... Um, it's so... And it's so... But, like, it's not weird. They're so... Like, the hotel manager's like, yeah, so... Yeah, that's fine. Like, he treats it so matter-of-factly and I mean obviously there are some things like when they go to the friend's place this is what I was going to say before like the way that the friend is like heightened and how he's like the crisis communicator and like basically just looks like I've got to push poke your eye out with my thumb I've got to gouge it and it's like oh my god that is so ridiculous but it also is like no I imagine that for this guy like that I have I no issues with that and I think that's what they do so well is it's all like 
believable. And so we were talking before we got started recording that um, I had such a hard time choosing a best and worst line for this. Like, I was like, you know what? It's going to be improv, just like the movie. I, I haven't. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, like, I haven't picked one. Yeah. I haven't picked one either. And I think I think the reasoning is because this movie is improv <laughs> and so cut down, it's so hard to choose the best and worst line. And I, so I think like the way I might think of it. Well, I have a worst breaking. Um, I do I think too. I, do too. I have a couple. But I think like the way I'm going to think of my best line, I almost want to think about like what's the best heightening. Because to me as an improviser in that game, it's so well done throughout. And like, I know this is breaking the rules because there are just so many funny lines in this movie like there are so many funny lines but like for me what was the best heightening and yeah to Mm. your point diane like what was i mean they do it in such a subtle way like all of them are so i mean it's subtle but not but it's so it's grounded all of the heightening is believable and you're like yeah that is the logical next step to that so i'm gonna noodle on that for a second jessica you were gonna say something or diane you were gonna say something go ahead jess uh my best line i didn't even Go, I realized like what I wanted to choose as my best line or what I was leaning for as I went back through my notes. I didn't write it down completely. Um, so I'm like, <laughs> oh, my, I, I, I paraphrased all so of these. I, I'm it, gonna, I, so but I know that the audio is out there. <laughs> so I'll drop the audio in. I'm not going to do it justice, but I know the, what's at the core of it and why I loved it. And it is, no, it has nothing to do. You guys are not going to be shocked at all. It has to do with the damn bloodhound. <laughs> Of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. That's so. I'm so, so happy so about that. Go. So that's that's a little preview to my best line. Um, but that's but, so great. But there is. I mean, do we want to just go? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's dive in. Why? Why was yeah. that your best line? Um. So actually, the best line is the whole monologue that he had that uh, Harlan, which is the Christopher Guest character, has, and. We're, we're sort of getting everybody's introduction to uh, yeah. their, their dog relationships and they're getting, they're all getting ready to go. And so he's taking, um, um, Hubert, uh, that's right. Hubert, 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 Hubert. I get Hubert yeah. and Harlan. Like I keep getting mixed up in my well. head. Okay. So he's taking Hubert for a walk in the woods. A bloodhound not only has a great nose, but he also, they can talk. And he's, so when he's doing that, he's talking, he's saying, what you do? He's saying, what you do? What you do? What you do? And he's saying, I'm ready. That's when he, you know he's ready for a show. Because he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You see, that dad and I know he's ready. What's your point? What's your point? He says, I'm ready. I've walked and I'm ready. Have a good night's sleep and then we'll get going and it'll be showtime for you, right? And look at that. The judge is going to look at him and say, Hey, hey, hey. And sometimes I think he's going to talk to the judge and say, Hey, judge. Hey, judge. Look at me. That's, I mean, he's not, the dog was, he's going to talk, but his, his mind is like a telepathy thing where he says, I'm the best one here. I'm the best one you ever seen. And then the judge in his mind, because he can pick up on the, the telepathy, will sometimes give him the blue ribbon. Hey, judge. Hey, What's going on there? I know what you're thinking. And I'm the best dog in the whole ring. See? That's not a bad idea. Maybe I just should 
should do that, practice that, right? And then we get into like his just ridiculous quirk that he's going to play on for the rest of the movie, which is the ventriloquism. Which is he thinks that if he can do a good enough job as a ventriloquist that he can make it seem like the dog is sending a telepathic message to the dog. So for the rest of the movie, he's practicing his ventriloquism, which is just off the wall. But I, so I just loved it. I just love that scene. And Christopher Guest is just such an incredible actor. And I love this character. This is definitely his most dialed down character, even with the ventriloquism. He's such a yeah. mellow like serene presence and so is that dog and he and, felt very ted lasso to me like this yeah, is the first time i've watched this movie yeah. since watching ted lasso and i was like hey buddy yeah and yeah and he is just like so the where where the rest of them are so high strung and uptight about the whole thing he really is so relaxed and and I he does such an incredible job whatever part he's playing i felt like he really had a connection with that dog I wanted the bloodhound to just like slobber all over his face in that forest just to be like kisses all about. I think like I was thinking about this actually earlier when you were saying like which dogs like this movie made you're like I want all the Uh the dogs and like I think my I did not have that same reaction to the dogs in this movie. I love dogs. I want Uh a dog. I just signed up to be a rover. I really like would love to just like hang out with dogs all the time and very few of these dogs in would this be movie. breeds that like, you wanted. No, or not it would be yeah. breeds that they wanted, but like the ones that they featured, I think that's because they feature ones that are very purebred, very right. like, they they feature the show dogs. They feature the Shih Tzu that is, you know, has a blowout. They feature the That's and poodle. that's in the that's the standard. Like that's right. in you know, like that's in the rules of competing for those dogs. Right. And like the poodle has the like little muffs on the butt. Yeah. To keep it warm. Gotta keep and her hips warm. Yes. I know. Oh God, that's and one of my favorite lines when they're like, Jane... what's the things on the, the ankles? And um, uh, what's her name? Just goes, oh, those act as flippers. Sherry Ann. Sherry Ann. That's right, Sherry Ann. Jenna, I love God. Jennifer Coolidge to- and Jane Ugh. Lynch together are... Perfection. A master class in so comedy. I think that Jane Lynch, if we're talking about like performances that we just like buy, I she at like I buy her as a handler. Like the way yes. oh my god, she just like she I would be interested to know like what she did research wise or if she just like is really observant and just was like, Oh yeah, I, I like I can I can encapsulate that with these mannerisms or whatever, but like, I just totally buy her as, as a handler. Yes. Like this character seems so realistic to me. Totally. When agree. she comes up the, and is like scoping out the bloodhound, just the way she handles the dog and like the way she is trying subtly to be like, who's mm-hmm. this dog? Like this dog's encroaching in my territory. He's too much competition, but she's like so passive aggressively friendly, but she loves the dog. Like she's, she's like, this is a great dog. Um, but she's just eyeing them up and down. Oh, I love that scene. She's very funny when she's like, 
you know, Christy Cabins yeah. Beach. She probably already know that. Like, well, I, and I, I, I do and I, I don't. I do and I don't. <laughs> I do. love that. Love it so much. It's just Same. So, that was the Ted Lasso-y moment for me when he was like, well, I do and I don't. I need, mm-hmm. I need to remember that for any time somebody tries to like wave their credentials in my face as they're introducing. Like, well, now I know your name, but I still don't know who you are. <laughs> I do and I don't. <laughs> I do and I don't. It's such a good party line. I got to tuck that in my back pocket next time I'm out and about. I do Add and that I don't. to... Add that to my list. I was talking about this with some friends. Side note, talking about this with some friends yesterday, colleagues, about like movie lines that we quote always. And I think I'm going to add that to party lines because I use I will keep you here till four often. (laughs) And um, my favorite to use when I need to get out of a situation. I know this one. (laughs) You do. You very much do. You both might is I've been looking for a red suede pump, which makes (laughs) no sense at all but it's just like it's such a good like her pivot looks like oh i need to pull you aside anyway throwback to when harry met sally um but um probably well, I do it's another by carrie fisher to be honest probably so. i mean like yeah. so it fits but like the well i do what i don't it's just such another good one of those like mm, <laughs> like okay yeah i'm gonna throw this into the party lines when i don't feel like talking oh, to people gosh and how funny, like I wrote in my notes too, that I, at the end I was like, just livid. Like, I want to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I, I go back I know. to like the year 2000? I'm 16 years old. How can I be in this film? Just to be around the genius of that. Oh, like, really Catherine O'Hara was like, I watched an interview and she said something about like, people were accused of like writing things down ahead of time or brainstorming lines ahead of time. And she was like, but that really wasn't happening. It was truly improvised mm-hmm. on set. And and just that simple line is a good example of how smart right. yes. everything is in this movie well, and, and how, then, just how funny it is. Mm-hmm. Well, and this, I think, goes probably to my best line, which I'm going to call a best bit or best, like, mm. best heightening mm-hmm. because it, it goes to that. I mean, and it's... I, you know, I make up all these different rules of how I choose a best line, but I think like what, for me, what the movie does so well and encapsulates how this movie works is just that through line of they take one thing and they just play with it and play with uh-huh, it and play uh-huh. with it. And I'm going to go to, and because they're the centerpiece of this movie, I focused on the um, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara characters. And, you know, we start with this like, oh, we're going to see a friend and like, Oh, it's because he poked me. And I'm like, okay, so she's had, he's very uncomfortable and insecure in the relationship. And she has had, um, I'm uncomfortable for him. I'm uncomfortable uncomfortable for him. Every time a man comes within two feet of Catherine O'Hara's character, I'm like, oh, poor guy. Yep. (laughs) It's terrible. But it's just done so. And like, okay, it's like, and it's, and so it's like not like anything that I was like, oh, this is comfortable and enjoyable. But it is done so well in that like it's so consistent. And it's not only consistent with like the way that people are reacting to her. Or, I mean, it is, like, what they say, too. Cookie, cookie Google men? Like, oh. And then they, and then, like, they'll say, like, uh, I'm I'm so-and-so. And, like, this thing. And, like, it'll take the, she's, like, pulling it. Well, because they're giving, like, so few details. They're, like, remember that Dunkin' Donuts 1974? Exactly. Wait a minute. It's hilarious. Exactly. And so that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with this. Is like, we've built up to all of this 
we build up this heightening and that keeps going to the like even so where like fred willard very offhand when cookie is taking the dog out goes that that handler looks familiar and it's uh, like that's yeah. it's it's such a quick line but it's like playing that bit still it is playing that heightening it's and then they're recording their songs, which like, oh, okay, oh. also do it terrier style. Uh, <laughs> um, just like yeah. their songs, amazing. Captain and Cookie, the Cookie, like all of it, so good. And then to the point, he's like, you know, she realizes he like says this really terrible line. The guy, the recording engineer. And she's like, oh, my God, bald? And he yeah. says, and it's always some weird situation, as Diane was saying, like some weird, like they yeah. were in like a, you know, you're a waitress, blah, 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 blah. And like waitress is believable. Like all of this is like, like waitress is grounded. This is all very grounded until you get to like the the last one saying it and it heightens it to that. Just like, what would be the craziest thing that we can say? That is the one and only time I've ever done it on a roller coaster. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. yep, that's that the one. one. <laughs> like that, like yeah. that, how does that work? Like, and it was, it just takes it to that level of like, this is heightened so well and cap it there. Don't try to top it. Don't try to do anything else mm-hmm. with it. We've had this running line kind of steep up and boom, cap it there. And it's so well done. And it's throughout the whole movie. And Eugene Levy's reaction is always so good. And Catherine yes. O'Hara just plays it like, I mean, they're, they're pros. They're yeah. so good. Uh-huh. And so I would say that is I would say, like, that's my best line because it just plays that heightening and what they do with the improv so well throughout the movie. They have, he has a line at the very beginning that I loved, too, that I, like, it was a contender um, for best when they're introducing their their character and their dog and they're at the show. And, and he says, I'd like to think that Cookie and I work as a team, although I do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so then, subtle and so quick, and I don't think yeah. I had ever caught it before, and I died laughing. It was It's so good. Well, that's such a good contender for best line, too, because then it goes to the end where right. he's the one who has to show he the dog. Do like, that exactly. actually, you know, I hadn't thought about that before, but I might, like, I mean, the, that was my best bit of heightening, but I might steal that as a best line because I think that, like, really shapes the bookends of this movie mm-hmm. other than yeah. the Parker Posey and Michael Hitchcock parts, which, like, are funny they were my least favorite i mean they're wonderful as people yes. they're my least favorite characters yeah absolutely they're the ones i care they're the ones i want to spend the least time with and i think that's agree well we're supposed to dislike them and then they get what's coming to them for for dumping their awful toxic neuroses on that poor beautiful weimaraner i know, I know. <laughs> who's, never, anyway. like, who's never freaking out like she never looks like she's freaking out until the very no. end. And then she's just like, get me the fuck out of here. Who do I have yep. to bite so I can never have to live with these people another day of my life? Totally. <laughs> anyway, I think we're jumping into the, the worst now, which was my fault. But Diane, have you given your yes. best line yet? Yes. Not yet. So okay. like you, I kind of had, I, I was kind of all over the place with, with best line versus bit versus monologue overarching theme <laughs> yeah, monologue right. i know i was like oh am i cheating in my notes my i took I eight cheat pages of notes eight as I okay also this yeah. is as expected diane you you it's came just, with all of diane came with props prepared. diane came with notes if i know anything you know? about diane she comes prepared mm-hmm. i'm coming prepared here's the deal i like to live my life this way where i have a pretty good outline and then the rest is just kind of Filled in with the improv bullshit, which is very fun to me. Um, okay. So 
I, I, in this watch and in previous watches, always have loved the line um, from Parker Posey that we were so lucky to be raised amongst catalogs. I just think that's so funny. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. funny. And then he follows that up with the, um, when they're at the sometimes we'll just go to a oh, Starbucks yeah. and yeah. bring an LLB catalog and see what's different. And I'm just like, that is such a sad existence. We <laughs> used to play a game on the airplane when we still had uh, Sky Mall in the, in the pocket in the seat in front of you before takeoff, open the spread and on every spread, you got to pick out a gift for yourself and the gift for the person sitting next to you. I used <laughs> to do so something like, similar. Yeah. And it's like this age of catalogs yeah. that were like really fun and obnoxious and like kind of a waste of resources, yeah, but yeah, also yeah. like very, very, like the idea of a catalog to me is just very uh, humorous in general. Yeah. So I love that line. I used to love I also, going through catalogs or, like, yeah. as a kid. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, sparked so much it, imagination. Like, totally. So maybe they weren't a waste because they were oh, they providing were totally a waste some like paper, but yeah, <laughs> they still, and they work because Amazon and Target both do toy, like an mm-hmm. exclusive Christmas toy catalog. And my child has gone nuts over those things for years. Same. My niece and nephew that comes like mm-hmm. around those holiday seasons, they are just like, Mad dash for the yep, catalog yep, and yep. who gets it first mm-hmm. is kind of a point of contention because yeah. there is an excitement much to like when kids are learning to read books, you turn the page and it's like, oh my gosh, There's what more. could be on the next? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, maybe, you know, maybe we need to bring back catalogs. Maybe this is, uh-huh. maybe this is our play. Anyway, that was one of your lines. That was one of my lines. Um, and then. A scene that I thought was one of my favorite scenes was the utility closet scene where Ed Bagley Jr. takes them to the closet and is, I know we already talked about it, but he is like, he's just like answering their nonsensical questions with real answers. He's trying so hard to help them out. He plays voices not awkward as hell. (laughs) Yes. And a little. He does voice of reason so well. Like when Parker Posey is tearing up that. that uh, hotel room. Yes. He is just so voice of reason. And it's so good. Totally. Yeah. And a little like tiny bit of like detail humor that I really appreciate when they check into the hotel, which is meant to be, it's supposed to emulate the hotel Pennsylvania in New York across from Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which I believe is being demolished right now, sadly. Oh. But like, during the Westminster Kennel Club, when it was all at Madison Square Garden, like that was the hotel for people to stay at. And it was like very pet friendly. And so coming into the Taft Hotel in this movie made me laugh so hard that every clock on that back wall is set to a city that is an Eastern Standard Time. So <laughs> like the clocks are doing, for did like not notice that they're oh doing nothing. They're Philadelphia, Boston, New York, Baltimore. (laughs) And so like, again, like I think that ties to like how he is so grounded amongst all of this nonsense, which I, I just, I love about the movie in general. You need that in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite, um, bit I would say is Fred Willard's just, um, unknowing about all of it. So, because I think that's how I felt going into this industry of not knowing anything about it and having to ask questions that are, um, 
very well known to people who are in this business. And I felt like I was just asking dumb questions all the time. And so when he says, okay, I have another question for you too after I say this, but um, when he says, now, you know, it'd be funny. I don't know if they can do this. Uh, uh, just an idea off the top of my head. Why didn't he put the blood on, put on one of those Sherlock Holmes hats and put a little pipe in his mouth? Are they ever allowed to do anything like that? Dress up a dog in a funny way? No, that's, uh, it's not quite what the uh, purpose of these shows but is. But I think it would really get the crowd going. You know, you know what I mean? The Sherlock Absolutely, Holmes hat yes. with the pipe. I don't know if you could make it look like smoke's coming out of the pipe. I think that would be a little dangerous. <laughs> I'd get a kick out of it. I thought that was hysterical. And I just, I think like his... His role in this movie and his one or two days on set, whatever it was, like insane short amount of time. I think it was two days. It's, it's just so, so, it's like one after the other. Mm-hmm. And I know he was modeled after another like dog show announcer who was not necessarily a dog aficionado. Um, but his jokes are just well, hilarious. And the through line of all of his baseball metaphors too. Like he has. Correct. I mean, yeah. Fred, Will- Fred Willard was a comic genius. Like, yes. The so one good. that I love is, how do they make them miniature? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and the physical comedy of this movie is so good, especially in... So good. Jim, the other host, announcer, mm-hmm. in his reactions of being like, he's... He's really straddling this line of don't break. Right. And also like rolling his yeah, eyes yeah. the whole time. Yes. It must and like, I, I can't thought that was imagine so playing off Fred Willard and just having to keep a straight face and like being that being that grounded and like nope. Yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. Because I was dying. I mean, I've seen yeah. this. I know the jokes. Yeah. Stewardess, can I take a shih tzu on my carry-on or does it have to be stowed? <laughs> um, I this is like this is so terrible and so bad, but it, it, like it fits for the character. Like, I mean, this is why I was like, okay, can't choose that as oh, a worst line. That's for the a character. good way to judge a woman. No, <laughs> that, oh, one, that one too. That's a good way to judge a woman to have them run away from you and then like, run back. Like, back. That was I um, wrote that one down. I wrote that one down, but like the the one who's like the way he says it when it's the terriers and he says it so matter of factly it's, it's sad to think that in some country about the fact that in some country these dogs are eaten yes. it's so I, bad like it is so stereotypical it's terrible, it's terrible. it is so offensive That's and exactly the way he says it would, but would that say. character would say yeah. that and the way he says it and then jim's reaction is just like like yeah. Jim gives okay. that reaction and I just <laughs> yeah. cackled. I was like, that's yeah. so, because it's like this silent pause after that. Yeah. There, there, are a few of them, there are a few of them where he, he just cannot think of a damn thing to say. And so they just hold it there on him and then they just cut so away because he can't, he <laughs> because, has no response. No response. That's real. And so like, that's like, again, going back to how grounded everybody is in this movie, they're reacting and it really, as real people. Yeah, and it elevates the satire coming out of Fred's so mouth yes. over and over again. I thought it's just, it is genius. It's so good. Oh, my question, and this is kind of not not related to the movie, just curious about your process. When you're watching movies for your podcast, mm-hmm. does it take you like four hours to watch these movies because you're starting and stopping to write down lines the whole time? Sometimes. Um, Sometimes. Okay. Not this quite one was four hard. hours. This one, yeah, this one actually for such a short movie, I think took me about two and a half hours because I because and they're talking at like 
this movie is mostly talking. This isn't like a movie yeah. where we have like chase scenes, you know, and I can get a break from writing stuff down and just watch like, or there are, you know, scenes that are, you know, are just going to be plot scenes, right? Where the lines are not going to be anything special. They're just moving the story forward. We have a lot like that. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of waiting till you get like a good character development scene or a good something a little less plotty. And then you kind of zone in and then you're getting ready with your pause. But this one, nonstop, just absolutely nonstop. I had this problem with this <laughs> exact same problem with Emperor's New Groove is like yeah. a 90 minute movie, like dead on 90 minutes. And it took me two and a half hours to watch it because I was pausing to write it all down and pause to write it all down. And the other thing too, is like a lot of times the issue with this movie specifically is there was no script. And so a lot of times you can go back and say, okay, I just mm-hmm. liked this thing. I and just liked this yeah. um, monologue from a certain character in, we'll say Emperor's new group. Like I could go find that the way it was written exactly or, but they didn't have a script for this. So it's not like I can go find the script. And even Melanie's run into a lot of times where the script, yeah. it, the script that's on file I... that you can find online is totally different than what they ended up doing. Oh, wow. I think it was adaptation. Adaptation. I, adaptation mm-hmm. took me forever to do because yeah. I was like, the script was not matching up. And so mm-hmm. finally, like, I finally I was like, I just can't use the script. Yeah. So often, like, mm. the ones that will take me quicker to do are the ones where either I know it super super well and I know like I have an idea going in of like yeah that's my best line that's my worst line um or where I can find the script Mm -hmm. um another one that I think took a while was um when we did the Lindsay Lohan yes that um, one took me a long time Christmas movie because it was again like having to stop and then there are sometimes like when we did double teamed um that I just don't care to get it right because I, I'm not going to spend that time. Yeah. Like it doesn't, I don't want to rewatch it. Like I paraphrased my worst line for double team because it's like, this is really terrible. And I, I don't care. I have the gist of it. And I think everybody's going to be okay with me. Yeah. Not uh-huh. double fact checking my, the, my 2002 line <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah. That's a long answer, but this one was hard because because of the way because it's improv, and I think that's again why yep. I ended on like what's my favorite bit and what's my yeah. favorite or like what's my best heightening. Yeah, and we're not going to say- find like a nice line. Like you and I both tend to look for something that like encapsulates the the tone or the theme of the movie. Like you just don't get that in this. That's not the style that Which this is, movie is trying right. to be at all. We don't have a typical movie formula. We have this completely different movie formula going on that really he's the only one. I mean, like we said, we have some TV shows that sort of emulated this talking head mockumentary style, but... But they're scripted. Yeah. he Nobody else has been like, I'm going to do a Christopher Guest movie. He's the only one that does this. I mean... Yeah, because even with like TV shows like The League, where it was an outline format with mm-hmm. improvised dialogue, I think you don't Veep get is too. Veep and Veep. Do we get talking heads and do we break the fourth wall in Veep? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember no. either. But in the League, the League, they don't. So you don't yeah. have that mockumentary mm-hmm. style. Yeah. To your point, like Christopher Guest is like the yeah. one who's doing this. Yeah. Or did God we bless haven't him. gotten a new one in a while? Come on, I know. I, I just want to get him on the phone and be like, what hey, you, man, do do let's next? do it. The other thing, really quickly before we move on um, to our worst lines, you were saying about the, um, the the bit where he's talking about, like, 
dressing up the dogs and getting the audience all jazzed up and things <laughs> like that. I came across someone saying that um, this, the dog show uh, was not nationally broadcast until the popularity of this movie. Is that true? I read that too. And what? I'm not sure. Because I yeah, was like, I, I could know. have sworn that it was a big thing before, but then I was like, but I, I don't know what, like where I would have come across that. No. And I don't ever, I don't have any memory of like watching dog shows either. Like the one that now airs on around Thanksgiving Uh in in Philadelphia. Oh yeah. So they air that one and they air Westminster obviously um, from New York. Um, But like the Yukonuba dog show, which I kind of consider to be like the Golden Globes right. of the dog show world. I don't believe that one is I televised you know at all. The Golden Globes of the dog show world, Diane. Well, because then you got you're winning all these shows throughout the year to, to get to the Oscars yeah. at course. Westminster. All the all of the dog show fans listening right now might be furious that I just said that. But, um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's my perception of it all. Um, yeah, I don't remember ever watching a dog show on TV. I, I remember after we watched this movie, we watched in 2000. the next one. Like we, yeah. were, we were like this, you know, let's watch the dog show. I remember watching a few of them after I saw this movie. So maybe that was maybe that was true. I I would not be surprised. And like on Westminster, you can see kind of a lot of the coverage of the show, not just Best yeah. in Show, which is pretty amazing because. Yeah. These dog shows take a long, long and multiple days Uh because you have to go through, you know, best of breed. Is that right? They do. Do they do a best of breed there? And then they do a best of breed. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to win best in breed to then go to the group and then you win your group to go to best Mm -hmm. in show. I didn't know that they did best in breed at the show. I thought you had to have a prior best in breed win at a, at a breed show and then you got to go, but. Do you, do you know last night I pulled up a like beginner's guide to the AKC just to like refresh my memory on all of this? And there's so much infrastructure that goes into all of this leading up to best in show that yeah. I'd totally forgotten about. And just like the rules and regulations of it all, totally forgot mm-hmm. about. Should we get into our worst lines? Yeah. Which again was hard for me because. It's hard. I, I I had to fall back had on the very... same thing that we always fall back on, and it again, which is what didn't age well, right? Yeah, it's and it, it's just yeah. this one just stuck in my craw. I had never noticed it before, and it's going on in a scene where there's just yelling, t- so much yelling. Um, so that should clue you into who it comes from. <laughs> um, Gee, let me guess, and <laughs> and. Because Harlan Pepper, yeah, Harlan Pepper, and all his yelling. Um, I had never caught it before, and when I heard it this time, I was like, "Oh my god, that bitch!" And not the dog bitch, like that bitch. Parker Posey's character, Meg Swan, Meg, mm. tells the maid to go back to wherever she came from. Oh, and no, taking no, 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 and I was like, Fuck yeah, you. It, <laughs> yep, agree. Totally in line for that character. Makes absolute perfect sense. Didn't want to hear it. It was an easy, it was just an easy, like quick worst for me. I'm like, don't, don't do that. 
But, so, I, but it makes exact sense. I, I, I cannot fault it for being in the cut. I can't fault her for saying it. That is 110% the character. What the character would do. And, and you, got, and you have to bar, have like... that. You honestly have to have that. Like, I, I appreciate that both of them crossed the line. My other contender is when he's yelling at, when um, Hamilton is yelling at the dog. This poor dog. <laughs> I feel so bad for the real dog, but I, she just takes it so well. I'm sure somebody is just holding like a giant treat right over his shoulder. Like, it's okay. Just, just ignore him. Um, yeah. When she runs off to go find the bee, this is one of my favorite bits in the movie that they lose the busy bee. I think is great. The way they yes. both. And they when both he crawls into the crate. Yes. When he crawls into the crate. In like the that crate. In general. <laughs> so good. But. As she's running off to go back to their hotel room where she's going to uh, have this altercation with the maid, he says, Don't look at anybody else. Don't look at the fat ass losers or freaks. You look at me. And I hated how he, I hated him calling people fat ass losers and freaks. They're dogs. <laughs> They're not fat. They don't have fat asses. They're dogs. And, and the way he grabs the dog's down. face and screams yes, the dog's face. I hate like it so much. So those were both my like worst lines, but, but you, we, we are cemented in, you know, this isn't a typical movie, so we don't necessarily have like a typical hero or villain setup. But if we are going to say like, that's what's going on, then we cookie and cookie Jerry. and Jerry are our heroes. Then we sort of have like our, our reluctant anti-heroes who are just here for some color relief. And that's um, Stefan and... I was going to say, we have not um, talked and, yeah. about... Michael McKean and John um, Michael Higgins nearly yeah, enough. Uh-huh. And I want to, after we talk about where signs, I want to circle back to them because did so And then our good. villains, and then our villains, we realize in the, you know, in the third act of the movie are Megan Hamilton. And so we have to have them have this gigantic, ridiculous fall from grace um, over a fucking toy, a dog toy. <laughs> Your dog would have been just fine why do you have to shove a squeaky toy in her face like if you have to shove a squeaky toy in the dog's face to get them to be calm they're not ready for a show <laughs> and i was gonna say that it is not realistic no, because not. these dogs are professionals yeah. like and they, that dog, they know yeah. what they're doing and it doesn't yep. there is like a little bit of a disconnect there is a bit of like it makes them look more ridiculous which is fine but but watching just how like that dog is calm that dog is fine they're not yeah like the dog is not freaking out and so them like it makes it even more funny and more hysterical when they're like she's yes. freaking out it's like she's not freaking out she's <laughs> fine you two yeah. are freaking out <laughs> what is she Megan doing Hamilton? that is making you think she's freaking out i don't understand and I love, I, I have to just throw in here real quick, when she goes to the little store to find a replacement, and the guy is just so, like, calmly suggesting all these other toys. And he gives a couple really good suggestions, and then she and just she grabs this, like, the rooster, right? This purple and orange <laughs> rooster, and he's like, this is the least, like, a bee of what I we know, have it's... here. 
next. <laughs> I love just the delivery. He's so confused. It's so great. And it's so, to your point, so unlikable yes. in most yeah. of, the, of her scenes. And yeah, like if we have villains in this movie, mm-hmm. Megan mm-hmm. Hamilton Swan Absolutely. definitely sure. are For the sure. winners of that category. And, and I mean, you know, they play it well. They do. Diane, what's your worst line? My worst line was also in the hotel room um, okay. when when Meg decides to go off. It was also, though, like, okay, yes, like, the line is bad. The physical comedy in that scene, I was so just like, good. Parker Posey is, is absurd. She is. I do have to yeah. give a shout out to the Ed Bagley Jr. character again, because right after she said that, he's like, well, that's uncalled for. <laughs> I know. It's so good. He's like, no, hold on, hold on. No, don't, don't do well, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's like, to me, I think that's why it wasn't my worst line is because, you know, oh, she's yeah, yeah. so ridiculous and could, she's so, it's not she's really so my that worst person. line. I don't, right, I had exactly. to do something. Yeah. yeah I and agree. You know, and there are other things that like humor wise do not hold up, you know, 23 right. years later that also kind of, it was shining through at times that like, yeah. you know, there's some, there's a little bit of like gendered jokes. There's some Very homophobia. So. Um, well, so, that was actually, so yeah, go ahead. The one for me that kind of like bumped a little bit, I think Fred Willard has, as I said earlier, there, there was like, Oh, the, the, the eating dog comment. I was like, Oh, that's oh but yeah. I'm like, I can't choose it because it's yeah. so funny. And the way it, the, because again, the way it's responded to is so funny. Um, the one for me that I was like bumped a little bit, and this also takes us to talking to Michael McKean and John uh, John Michael Higgins, is when John Michael Higgins comes out in his, I think it's the second, oh no, it's his first, um, that blue velvet, his first show. Yeah, he goes, if you lived or, in my neighborhood and wear an outfit like that, you better be a hotel doorman. I was like, oh, yeah. A, I yeah. didn't think it was. I mean, again, he's a genius, and who am I to critique Fred Willard? Like, I'm not. But there's nothing done with that line to be like, yeah. it's kind of just like there. And so, and I think that's of the time, and uh-huh. I know we don't uh-huh. want to fall back on that time part, but um, I was just like, that's the, that one was just like, that's the only one. I mean, not only one, there were definitely some others that I was like, uh, I would, but also I just loved John Michael Higgins and Michael McKean oh, so, so much. They are so, so fabulous the scene, in this movie. One of the things so, I've so always loved about this movie, and it's very subtle to the point that I didn't used to understand exactly what was going on when I was younger. And then I watched this with my 14 year old son and he didn't quite know what was going on. But once I caught on that, this is what was going on. This has become one of my favorite bits in the entire movie when they're at the hotel and they call the other dog to say goodnight. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love it. I, I love <laughs> it. So funny. He's seeing the other dog. So they, the, the female dog is, the, is the one who's, the, one who's the, the show the, dog, the show, but they have a, also have a male Shih Tzu that they left at home with. With I don't know, he's very very rich, so probably they hire a nanny for the dog. personal caretaker. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. or they have a butler who just lives. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they call and they're talking to someone else, or he and he also has kid like older kids. I think he says he's got right because he had an ex wife, yeah. right? So maybe they're they're with the kid, but he's like so so the fact that he would call like maybe a potential teenager, a young adult child of his, and not say really much to them at all, but put the dog on the phone because i'm gonna sing them a lullaby so and then good. it's like the weirdest like 
war song or something. It's yeah, so, they're talking it's about like an old hair English, hair. like what what weeds are going to pop up on various. It's like an old English graves. like folk song yeah. that is like depressing, as a lot of those are, or Irish. I don't know one of those. Mm-hmm. And like the scene also when they're packing when. They're packing yes. for two days How in Philadelphia. How many kimonos? Don't you think seventeen kimonos you is already, a bit much? You already have six. Like, oh, yeah, seven. How many have six? And he was, he was like, you already have six. How many kimonos do you think you need for 48 hours in Philadelphia? And he was like, oh, actually, I probably need one more. It's just so, so <laughs> I un- love it. And they get to and the then, hotel room and put up tapestry. Yeah, I know. I, yes. So good. Like, nailing, nailing into, into the, the wall. wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And... Uh, uh, Meg and Hamilton hung up their ribbons in their yeah, yeah, hotel yeah, room yeah, yeah. as well, which I just think like, okay, yes, this is a 48 hour window and we are setting up these rooms as if we are going to live here, here for quite some time. Yeah. Hilarious. It's so um, good. Yeah. The packing bit got me too, especially that reaction of, uh, well, we're only going to be there 48 hours. And he's like, well, in that case, I need, <laughs> I need more. more. Right. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, obviously, I need one more. And it's also like Philadelphia. And is it the winter? Like, when are they there? It, because like, Well, Gen- Westminster, yeah, typically yeah, is in February. February. Right. Yeah. I mean, Jennifer Coolidge is like the, the, the muff that she has. It's like a headband. Yeah. It's just. Uh-huh. And then her. And then like, I love, you know, and. The, the makeup bit. I mean, we barely talked about Jennifer Coolidge in this movie, too, which is a travesty because she's so too good. much but in this movie. There's, there's too much. much. I, I mean, you know what? Three hour episode. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> See, this is what we're going to have. It's again, it's going to be like the movie. We're going to record a lot and then just have to whittle down to the best parts. Or just let it so all go. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I think like, with Jennifer Coolidge, what I think is so good, I mean, she has. That one talking head in the beginning where she's with the... Iconic. Iconic. Uh, So good. We both love soup. And uh, we love the outdoors. Uh, We love snow peas. And uh, talking and not talking. Uh, We could not talk or talk forever. And still find things to not, to talk, not about. talk about. It's Incredible. so good. And Jeez. and she's in there, we and he's obviously like, like not soup. Soup. I know. Like, we both love snow peas. Snow, snow peas. peas. Like so specific and so random. Specificity in improv uh-huh. That's uh-huh. makes uh-huh. me laugh harder than any other well, quip or strategy. Like, well, and that's going back to going back to like being grounded. It's like don't try to be funny, be specific because right. that's what like when they say like, oh, we're gonna go see um, where they make like, what are you guys gonna do in Philadelphia? He's like Liberty Bell. Okay, ah, it's obvious. I want to see and where the, the next thing is goes, made. That one. <laughs> 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 like, like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. No, like it's so funny. Um, and then but, but then they heighten that too with more. I guarantee you that was uh that was a 15 minute take oh, on that alone and Chris Easy. guess is just like just keep it rolling oh, oh. anyways <laughs> just go yeah oh well yeah. and then so you have that one like talking head that Jennifer Coolidge does at the beginning and then you never see the husband again uh-huh. but then all of her other ones are with Jane Lynch and so I like 
you know, you think Jennifer Coolidge is going to be the one who talks and all of the talking heads and that he's just going to be there. But then she is like mostly quiet in most of the rest of them. And Jane Lynch just like talks yeah. over her. So it like reverses the roles. And she, the, the, what Jennifer Coolidge does, and I mean, this is one of her, I think, exceptional traits as an actress. What she does with facial expressions, Face, yes. body, extremely like, subtle body movements, like very eye, subtle eyes. Yeah. It's or a lip twitch or uh-huh. something or a eyebrow. It is so good. And like I mean, we're seeing Jennifer Coolidge get the recognition she finally deserves. Yes. Finally. Um oh, you know, and R.I.P. Tanya. But um like, I, that's gonna be so sad. <laughs> Spoilers Wait, for I White haven't Lotus. done this, Joey. <laughs> I haven't gotten to White Lotus yet. So <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I I actually knew it before. I'm I watched sure I would have guessed, and I feel... because I know what it's about. So. I actually liked. I mean, we're. I don't think you. Can I actually do liked the watching. That this. I've heard that she does that without <laughs> no. catching up to you somehow. <laughs> I I actually really like. I watched the second season knowing it, and I actually liked that because I was less anxious and I could put the pieces of it together. Mm-hmm. So, um. Anyway, she has this Sorry. fantastic scene in the uh, sort of the height of when they're getting ready for best in show. So they've, or, or is it before, before the, it's before the, the first round, before, before the first round, before Butch actually even goes out. Okay. So she's, yeah. d- she's pigging out on popcorn. She's saying, oh, Leslie's so nervous. Good. We don't even know where the fuck Leslie is, you know? And, but so she's and really, then that's also she's right nervous. before you see her make out with yeah. Jane. And Lynch. then Sherry yes. Ann is, um, or Sherry Ann is like trying to hide the fact that she's nervous. And she's, yes. she's just kind of saying like, she had a message to herself that she just needs to just do what she does. And, and I, I can't even do it justice, but then she's like, I'm, so I'm going to be right here until I get another message. I wrote that one down too. too. From yes. myself. From myself. <laughs> so, Hilar- so. The timing on that is so good. And, and it's did, like incredible. Yeah. Like you're saying, like she turns everything into acting and so the, even the way she's eating the popcorn and just staring into like the middle distance and and she'll take a bite of popcorn and then she'll kind of sit with it for a second and then and then she'll chew it really, really like manically. It's <laughs> and the popcorn is going everywhere. Like popcorn is just she's not getting all of it in her mouth. And <laughs> just... but her eyes are like super fixated just in in the space in front of it's incredible. It's so good. Yeah. And then the um She's and then they make out, and then so one of my good. other favorite lines, because um, Scott and Stefan are watching on TV, and they're like, Rhapsody has two mommies. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, so well done. Oh, and hello. Then, uh, <laughs> I know. I like how they were kind of celebratory about yeah, that. Like, they're, they're happy. Like, like, they were, yeah. like, champion. Like, hell yeah. yeah. Yes, romance. Well, and, it, then it gets, and then it gets to the end where they have uh, American Bitch Magazine. American Bitch. That's right. It. And it's, it's so specific. The it American is for, I wrote lesbian it dog owner. Dog owner. <laughs> right. Purebred. Purebred Pure dog owner. God. Purebred dog owner. And it is just like so, I mean, all of their like little things that they all do after the show. I mean, the old movie dog calendar is. Which is a thing. Which is a thing. When it like. So funny. Stefan just wants to give it as friends and Scott's like, no, let's sell this. And 
that's like all you see in calendars now is like you know dog right. you know staged dog <laughs> stuff it's, it's <laughs> they were so really cool. on to yeah, something <laughs> you know we can make a lot of money here and then donate it to the rescue but then they said the rescue has enough money. money. <laughs> so do we. Which is um, not true. <laughs> right. I was watching the interview with like some of the members from the cast mm-hmm. as like a 20 year reunion. And they Ooh. did ask like, did you break very often? And Christopher Guest was pretty. Now, I don't know if this is a serious answer from him or not, but he was deadpan and being like, no, oh, we never, no, we don't break. no way. No. There's no way, right? He's like, you know, when you get a bunch of improvisers together, like we all know what we're doing and, and you don't break. You just keep going. And because if you break, you ruin the scene. And I thought like, he's got to be full of he's, shit right now, right? Great. Like so they were great. laughing all day long. Yeah. They had to be. Yeah. Which I think is like a dream job. Like mm-hmm. if I can, to your point, Melanie, about improv being play, to get paid, to go play and laugh and... And yes, some of the jokes are outdated and some of them are, do feel a little lazy, like yes. an easy shot. For the most part, this is just ter- tremendous comedy. In this it's movie. so it ruined the take either, because if you can hold out for just a few seconds, if it's like a second after the line hits, it can just be edited. Totally. And I thought for sure this movie has to have some YouTube clips of outtakes. Because I want to see it happen. I want to see them break. No. I couldn't find a single one. So listeners out there, please find them and send them to me. Because, Mm. God, I want to see them. Come on. On the DVD? Okay. So I I thought I had a DVD. So I think it's at my mom's house. And I'm going there in a couple weeks. Um, okay, we but, need to find the we special were on the features. DVD, then somebody would have put them up on YouTube, unless everybody's just sleeping on this movie like way more than I thought. Ugh. Right, they might right. be. I, but we're. I, mean, I thought we're I in had like a it. Renaissance of all of these people. Like we've got Shit's Creek, we've got White Lotus. Yeah. Like, come on, everybody needs to get on the best in show bandwagon. If Melanie like, and I saw John Michael Higgins at Celebrity Jeopardy did. not he, four months ago. <laughs> he won the episode, which I think yep. we can say now because it's aired. So I was thinking about this when Melanie was like, you know, if you were ever going to be on this podcast, what movie would you do? And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. I had some ideas. And then when I landed on this one or said it out loud and Melanie's like, yeah, that'd yes. be fun. I thought, oh, but what's the draw? Like, is there like, what are the significant touch points that are relevant now from this movie and there are so many like once I actually like even just looking at the who's in the movie the cast alone most of our cast members are still doing things and have done other Mm. very and have funny and like landmark projects and like have recently won Emmys like you know you have Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy again playing a married couple winning Emmys for Schitt's Creek you have Jennifer Coolidge who is getting her due. I mean, like John Michael Higgins is always, Oh, that guy and everything. Um, Jane he, Lynch, who he, has become a household name. Right. Absolutely. I mean, basically um, you have, I mean, John Michael Higgins, I feel like has now taken on the Fred Willard role. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that announcer right. because I think he plays that in he plays that in Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Uh-huh. That and like I always and I think I was telling Diana this when we saw him in Do Jeopardy. I was like I always used to confuse him with Fred Willard because yeah. they play that similar character. Like I think because of Pitch Perfect, I confused him with Fred Willard. So he's taken on that type of role there. Um, so I really many do think that the draw actors. of this movie or why I recommend it to people is just that I can't even tell you most people I meet have not seen a Christopher Guest movie. Most people I meet, um, or maybe they've seen spinal tap or maybe they've seen Mm -hmm. this and they don't know what a Christopher Guest movie is. They don't understand that this is how it was made because it's, you know, when this movie came out, it was very like people were talking about, Hey, this is improv. They improv this. But if you're coming back to this movie 23 years later, where would you have that information? It's not like they say it in the front. You know, it's not like there's a little Chiron that's like they improvised all this. No, you know, how would you know that? And it's not they do it so well. It's not even necessarily something that you would pick up on. Exactly. Say the name Christopher Guest to most people. Nothing. Yeah. Which he's very travesty. And and, well, and I and didn't so realize we were watching the Oscars, and um, I and cannot believe like, I, I didn't know that. that they were married. And I'm yes. like, oh my god, how have I not told you this? That that uh, for a long Gass time. So Jamie Lee for those who don't know, for like thirty Jamie, years yes, or something like and that. Jamie and I was telling, um, I was telling that to when when I had uh, Truman, my son, watch this with me, and he's very into um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I made him watch that, and he really enjoyed it. And I was kind of gave him a breakdown of like, oh, they won these Oscars, and Jamie Lee Curtis won an Oscar. And so I said, this is mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis's husband, and he did Spinal Tap, which he's also watched with me. And they do all these movies where it's just a setup, it's improv. Yeah. And and I'm giving this lesson, but realizing that most people don't know this and it was good to see him on screen at the oscars but then i was like yeah. where are we gonna get this guy some I know. something i mean i i know we're not really making like oscar type movies here but like you know i just think there needs to be much more mainstream recognition for for what he has done done in creating yeah, an entire Agreed. genre of comedic film it's well, and it's a like hard so one a really hard yes. one look at right. what goes into these movies 60 hours of footage that they that he has to go through, that him and the crew have to go through um, to edit these movies to to the point where they are these little hysterical quote comedy machines i mean yes People remember these movies after they see them, but they don't necessarily understand like what had to happen to get these lines that we come back to all the time. Like, you know, Spinal Tap was one of my favorite movies of all time. I quote it regularly. Ditto. I, I mean, that was I wanted to do that. The amount of time, but then you you come back and we'll do it. Show one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just do. Did you catch? Did you catch the, oh, for sure. Would love. I mean, I would, I mean, not to invite myself onto your shows, but (laughs) um, would love to do Christopher Guest marathon and, or just listen to all of those. Cause I think like I'm all for a rewatch and then follow up with pods. 
Did you catch the Spinal Tap reference? No. In, it's from Ed Bagley Jr. Yes, he roasting talks to, a goat in the room. I, I yes, yes, yeah. Oh, and the yes, it was. It was. Yes, yes. He said, "Yeah, we had a rock group come through. Uh-huh. We saw I'm not, I won't say their put name. Rubber sheets on the bed. Yeah, had to they, do a lot I of cleaning out. They were aware that there was a bathroom. It was a in bathroom the in the room. <laughs> Yes. True. So that's the same good. thing because we just watched Spinal Tap like maybe a month ago or two months ago or whatever. And yes. he's like, are they talking about is he talking about Spinal Tap? And he's like, he just decided he didn't even let me answer. He's like, they have to be. He that that's what yeah. they're talking about. He's like, I'm just gonna head so, in in that. It's it's yes. Spinal Tap. <laughs> has to be. And so funny with Spinal Tap like the same universe. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. And like a lot of, from my understanding, a lot of like rock musicians do not like Spinal Tap because it's a little too close to home, <laughs> much like this movie is like a lot of like dog fanciers right. may not love this movie because it's a little too close to home, which I think also points to the the genius of mm-hmm. Christopher Guest and what it takes to actually observe something mm-hmm. and turn it into comedy right. without punching down. Right. Which is at, at hardly ever. I feel like we yeah. do get a little bit of that, but not much. And, but what I like about Christopher Guest specifically um, is that is the way that he tackles real life things. So you can be like, yeah. Oh, you're a dog person. Watch best in show. My big one is that I've spent, you know, I've spent, 20 years in community theater, right? I started a kids community theater program in the Lord, town that I Jessica, live in. So it's been over 20 years in community. Well, theater. I haven't been doing it for a while. Okay, and that's I didn't fair. do it like for a couple Still of years. Counts. So, so, um, but the amount of people who are like, that I've met who are their entire lives are community theater, right. Um, mm-hmm. of, who haven't seen waiting for Guffman. And I'm like, I have been in exact situations yes. as, yeah. you know, as a director or a choreographer or, you know, mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, and just exact straight up exact. And then the fact that it's also yeah. in a small town in the Midwest, I'm like, doing community theater in Kansas close to Missouri it just kills me like that movie is so over it's the top so and ridiculous and accurate <laughs> yeah well I think that's the genius <laughs> of love, Christopher so, Guest nobody has seen Waiting for Guffman no I know so I was reading um speaking of just like how widely these movies were and this could be a good place to wrap this up like I mean, so best in now, show. Melanie, we're only halfway. Through. Yeah, I know. come on, it's only have. an hour and a half. But um, we need sixty so, hours of footage. That's true. <laughs> yeah, on, Jess. Yes. Um, okay, so maybe not wrap this up. But to your point about like <laughs> the release of these movies and the, I mean, they are very niche, very. They're not your big mm-hmm. blockbusters. They're not any of those things. But this one was big. Um, it, was. it was. So I was reading the review in Entertainment Weekly, like when it came out from two thousand, and. It's a best in shows. Get this number. Hardy, $479,000 opening weekend. Like that was their, this was a good opening weekend. Yeah. Half a million dollars at 13 theater screens Mm -hmm. has encouraged Warner Brothers to widen the release to an eventual 300. And I wrote, I like made a note. I was like, oh, wow. Times have changed. Because (laughs) half, they're, they're like a good opening weekend for this movie was 
just under half a million dollars. Yeah. Well, remember, tickets to movies in 2000 were one dollar and twenty-five cents a piece. So I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, That's what it I mean, like. they were. A, yeah, you're right. Like half a million is not that much. But the no, budget when you see, for like, this movie had to have been was not also lower than right. It's bare bones, keep, except for right, putting exactly. on your own dog show. That's where, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure that's where a majority of the budget for this movie came in. I think it was. And Eugene said something about, like, they didn't have enough money to, like, fill the stands, obviously, because it's, like, 20,000-seat arena. And so they had, like, cardboard cutouts (laughs) in some of the seats. Because what are you going to do? Are you going to pay for the CGI to put in people, like, you know, a la Ted Lasso? I feel like we see a lot yeah. of that. Anything mm-hmm. anything that has large stadium, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie yep. that came out a few years ago, like, yeah. all of that's so generated. Right. And in this movie, I, well, and I just Well, CGI wasn't again. there at that time either. No. It would have been ridiculous no. looking. It would have been like it's just another Woody and Buzz in the stands, like... <laughs> It was all just being used for cartoons at that point. That would be hilarious. Awesome. And, like, all I want is to be a PA on this movie when I'm in high school. My job is to put cardboard cutouts in the seats of Madison Square Garden or where I don't think they filmed it up there. But uh, that's that's my dream job, I think, in high school is to be on set as a PA for uh, for all these amazing people. Totally. Any totally, last, totally, totally. Li- like a line dump? Any anything we didn't get to? Oh my gosh! So much. Oh, She's yeah. so good. I don't. Um. Yes, I do. I have a Eugene Levy line that I because his character is such a like dweeby guy, very nebbishy. Um. He goes. <laughs> yes. When they're talking to the very cool Scott and um. Yes. What's What's Michael About McCain's the pants. name? Stefan. About their Scott, talking, Stefan. Stefan. They're talking about the pants, um, and they're asking, and um, his his name his, tag says Mary. His name's Mary. Scott's name tag says Mary. And yeah. Scott's name tag says Mary. And they're talking about like the pants and Eugene and how he like worked for six months on he the pants them and the red lip, you know, hours himself. or something like that. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, and Eugene Levy says, "You must be very proud, Mary." <laughs> oh my goodness who are you all of a sudden good baby boomer guy look at you <laughs> who are you in that burgundy jacket it was like you're so hip or mr hip and i'm just like it's so good which so one of them okay this is a line that i just loved um i i can't but i can't remember if it's jerry or cookie when they're leaving when they're get hit hitting the road and it's like a, a neighbor or a family friend or a sister or somebody is going to watch their house. And one of them says, don't water the plants. They're plastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's also Jerry. And then let's, let's talk about Jerry and, and cookies journey. Again, these are, we've decided these are our heroes. So on the hero's journey, we have this point where we think it's all going to fall apart. They're not going to make it. And that's when the dog gets taken up on the roof of the shed by the psycho child. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's actually a psycho. He's just a strange child. He's, he just wants then, to play with his parachute. And dad, I think. And, and this this old ex-boyfriend, this, this is so inappropriate. This man is so inappropriate and he's a hostage negotiator. And there's this part oh, where but, they're but, asking but, like, him he about He never gets anybody job. to not jump. Yes. There's this right. point where he's asking, uh, they're asking him like, so what do you do? And he's like, well, they always jump. 
I mean, that's a secret of the trade. Nobody ever tells you, but they always jump. It's like, no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. And then you're actually terrible at your job. He's hostage negotiating with the child to bring the dog down. And he's like, you get down here right now or yes, I'll get your eyes out. I swear to God. <laughs> they prove the conceit yeah. that he's terrible at his job because you like have that you're like oh you're probably bad at your job when he's talking about it and yeah. then they prove it and it's so <sighs> justifying and so it's so, so gratifying good. just having that moment yes. of justification uh, i had so to get good. that like I just the whole the whole scene the the setup i mean we don't have a typical like setup punchline going on but like the we're talking about his um so you know good. his job and we're guessing that he's terrible at it because he tells us he never succeeds at his job. And then we actually get to see it play out with this like miniature it's hostage so situation. And then, and then the, one of the other parts that I've always loved because like Jerry just picks these, like the weirdest ways to assert his, the fact that he's um, a husband, that he's Cookie's husband. And so they're talking about their, cookie and the i forget his name the ex-boyfriend that they're staying with for the night they're past dalliance yes and and he just thinks it's totally inappropriate so instead of saying it's totally inappropriate he decides to show max what it would feel like to have somebody commenting on their wife and he just goes oh i'm sorry i i forgot to compliment you on your luscious melon breast melons And then she's and not she's even offended. She's so, like, thank you. She's like, oh, oh, th- thank you. Thank you. Hey, that's so sweet. <laughs> that whole, whole, that whole, the best this dinner, the best yes. scenes happen at dinner tables. We're finding out as we watch movies. <laughs> yes, they really do. <laughs> thousand percent and like the commentary on like the way the food looks yes. and how it was like cafeteria that, food. And then she's like, well, I I've never, never had it before. I, I wouldn't know. I, I never. Well, I just, it. I. <laughs> And it's just so funny. I mean, I just want to point out that, like, this movie is so tightly done. We've now talked for longer than this movie is about this movie. <laughs> That's like, we correct. Could literally, we could literally break apart every single line in this movie and say, like, why it's so genius. Because they – it's just a cast of very, very talented – like, nothing pleases me more other than potentially a well-done tap break than a really good improvisers. Mm-hmm. Agree. Like, nothing is more – thrilling and exciting than watching good improv for me like I'm the kind of person who will leave I often will read uh movie spoilers before I watch a movie I will read the last page of a book first because I just like I kind of want to know what I'm going into but you can't do that with improv and I I love having just to that forced be present and whether you're watching or, or participating, you have to just be there. You have to be listening and you're taking it in as it happens. And I think there was a really interesting, uh, descriptor of Fred in this movie. Someone said that like Fred's process and the way that he improvises can be summed up by saying that Fred doesn't use his turn signal. And I think that's really yeah. a funny way to describe how someone improvises. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what makes for very funny and compelling um, yes. improvised humor is that you, when you can't necessarily predict where things are going, it's just, it's so fun. It's so and, good. And it, again, makes you stay present when you're mm-hmm. you're not anticipating what they're going to say next. Even though we kind of know these quirky characters and, and what might come mm-hmm. out of their mouths. We are delighted and surprised by the nonsense that actually did come out of their mouth and how heightened it was and how 
And then, of course, the reaction to it is just, it's so good, top to bottom, this whole movie. Yes. Diane. Yes. Is there, what, is there anything that you would like to plug, pitch, promote, anything that while we have you on here? Um, you know, I don't have much to plug. I, I'm a graphic designer by, by trade in Los Angeles. So if anyone listening uh, needs any graphic design, you can find me, I believe, at djohansen.com. I don't do like anything on social media except lurk. So I, <laughs> I mean, real, real, real exciting plugs over here. I, um, you can see some of your featured graphic designs in like podcast world, right? Though, yes, I design. Yes, I design for a podcast called Creativity and Captivity, and it is like creative conversations, mostly around creative pro- process with various creatives. So. Music, theater, comedy, like all, all avenues. So that's, that's a pretty fascinating podcast that have led to really interesting jobs around LA, which I think is part of the magic of this town. You just never know, like, what saying yes will lead you to and the central tenant. Yes, of improv, and I suppose. Yes, and. Yep. Yep. Planned it. Did not plan it. <laughs> um. You can hear me on this podcast dropping five nineteen. There you go. And whenever yeah. we have you back, I am doing improv. I have a, a show on May. Let's see if this is dropping on the nineteenth. I have a show on May twenty seventh. It's a Saturday. It will be at the UCB Theater at I don't know what time, but it is there. In the is it for my mom's birthday? Because that's my mom's birthday. Are you doing a birthday show for my mom? That it day? can be. <laughs> Uh, it can be a, 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 it is now. a birthday show for Kim Johansson. Um, Terrific. So I will be doing that. And that's tomorrow, I guess. Or no, a week from a week from tomorrow. Um, and that is what I've got. Um, you can follow us on Best Line Worst Line on Instagram. You can go to bestlineworstline.com. You can get, uh, you can download and subscribe, rate and review um, to this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, including Google, Jessica, um, and Apple and all of the other ones, because <laughs> I always forget Google and Jessica makes fun of me. And that's it. Diane, we would love to have you back. This was Absolutely. a delight. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. I love, I love these movies. They're and so I will great. come back anytime you want to do a Christopher Guest movie. I am awesome. on board. Great. You're on the hook for that. Okay, I, we we have to do more Christopher Guest for sure. We do, and I think a really good challenge because it was this so challenging, was really challenging. to mm-hmm. to do best mm-hmm. worst lines. So you know, it's yeah. it's a get good out exercise. I would say, gotta get out of the comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. That's right. <laughs> Change it up a bit. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Well, I know, we fish. know that's a fish, but to a no, dog. I, just shut up. I'm going to get this and I'm just get out of here. You. Thank you for your help.